You're listening to a Mango Languages podcast. Language teaching is hard, but there are a lot of reasons to be optimistic. That's why we created this show, Teaching Languages Today, a podcast for world language educators about what's working and what's not. Listen in for the problems fellow teachers are facing, learn what solutions they found, and get some much-needed self-care reminders of why you fell in love with teaching in the first place. Hi, I'm Emily, your host for the show. In each episode, I'll be taking you on a journey into seeing world language ed through a new lens by sitting down with an all-star lineup of teachers, administrators, parents, and students. It's my hope that the stories you hear in this show will get you thinking and feeling different about what you do in the classroom. Hey friends, Emily here. How are you doing today? I hope you're doing well. Listen, we all know it. When teaching a language, active learning strategies are far more effective for our students than passive ones. So why do we so often find ourselves in a passive learning or passive teaching rut? Well, the answer, it turns out, has to do with control. And the fix is actually a lot simpler than you might think. In this episode, I got to sit down with Susana Matos-Kruck, a former teacher and principal from New Jersey, who now runs her own educational consulting firm for schools looking to improve their approaches to language acquisition. I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Susana in real life. We were introduced by a colleague of ours. But within seconds of talking to her, I fell in love with her tell-it-like-it-is style. She's clear, she's real, and she really knows her stuff. So anyways, get ready because this episode is full of fun new activities that you can try with your students, and I bet you'll leave thinking about active learning in a slightly new way. Well, thank you so much, Susanna, for being on the show. Uh, Why don't you start by telling our listeners who you are and what you do in the language world? Sure. Um, My name is Susanna Matos-Crook, and I'm founder of Up the Bar Educational Achievement. Um, My company is determined to cultivate equitable uh, learning opportunities for all students, and that's why we call it Up the Bar. Great. Well, we all know that active learning strategies are very important, and it's something that a lot of language teachers and content area teachers think about a lot. The problem, as you know, is that a lot of us end up relying a lot on passive learning strategies. So what is happening here? Why are we using so many passive learning strategies and not the active ones that we want? Well, I think what happens is teachers are always pressed for time, right? And they've got all this curriculum to cover and they're bound by all these expectations. They feel this this time crunch always. So they have to just get through it. I'm just going to teach it to you. And then we have to move on because there's so much that we have to do, right? We never have enough time. So, you know, what happens is you have the sage on the stage approach, right? Which is a very traditional way of teaching. And which is what many of us had that experience growing up of having the teacher kind of tell us what to think, how to think, when to think, and why to think. Right. And so all we had to do was kind of regurgitate for Friday's test. So we want to kind of move away from that model. Um, And because it doesn't really promote effective learning or language acquisition. Right. So we need things to be much more authentic. We need things to be much more meaningful. Um, And if you look back, back in 83, um, Pearson Gallagher of the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana, which is where I'm going now to get my doctorate, um, they did a study on the, um, on the instruction of reading comprehension. 
And they introduced this model of the gradual release of responsibility. And really what that was is saying, you know, let's move from you know, the teacher, the omniscient one, the one who's the expert in this thing that we're teaching and allow gradually release that responsibility. So then the students become the thinkers the students become the problem solvers and are thinking critically. So, so that model, what was, was fabulous in terms of moving the ownership to the students, right? Through a, a careful process. But now in 2008, Frere and Fisher, they did this beautiful thing where they incorporated the collaborative piece to it. So we moved away from, it was the I do, we do, you do model, right? Which was I do, teacher, I show you, I demonstrate, I model, and then we do it together as a class through guided learning, we're all doing this this whole class, to you do independent application. So what Fisher and Frere said was, you know, we really want students to be co-constructing their knowledge, right? We want them to be problem solving together using that your language using that social language, dipping into that academic language, right, as the students work together. So they had the I do, I model, we do together as a class, guided learning, and then you do together. And you do together, meaning with your pairs, with your partners, in a small group of three or four max, okay? And now students are off They've learned this thing. They've started to process and understand this thing the teacher is teaching. And now they're going to practice it with their others, right? With peers. And, you know, when we're talking about language acquisition, it's, it's testing out the language, taking it for a test to run, right? Playing around with the nuances of language and how to make myself understood um, and comprehensible, right? To each other. And so now you've got the students co-constructing knowledge, um, negotiating meaning, um, through language, which is amazing, right? And then making sense of the world and really building that confidence that they need as students to then go to the independent application, which is the I do alone, right? And oftentimes that's where teachers really get to see where each student is. That's your check for understanding, that's a ticket out the door, that's okay, and I've worked with my groups, teachers taught me this thing, I thought about it, I worked with my partners, now this is my understanding of it. So that's important for the teacher to know at the end of the day, what where where is each child, right? Where are they at? And, and then that helps me to kind of think about where I wanna to go tomorrow. I know you gave us all these amazing frameworks um, for how a teacher can start thinking about their classroom as more, um, what is it, not stage on the stage, but guide on the side. What are some concrete solutions or concrete activities that you recommend when you're doing um, a workshop with teachers? Yep. So what I always tell my teachers, right, time is a luxurious commodity, right? Everything we do, we do with purpose. And there's a method to the madness in everything we do but the devil's in the details. And that's the planning. Planning is the most important thing, okay? In terms of pedagogy, in terms of instruction and in terms of outcomes. So think about, you know, what I ask my teachers to do is think about what's the objective of this class? What, what at the end of the day, what do these kids need to know what to do at the end of this class? And then start thinking about authentic and meaningful opportunities for students to engage in the learning. Right. So, you know, let them and depending on the grade level, you know, it's developmentally appropriate for every grade level, but let students start to think about how they want to engage and how they want to demonstrate their learning. So, you know, moving away from, oh, my goodness, every kid has to do a PowerPoint and stand up in front of everyone and do the PowerPoint presentation and nobody cares and nobody's listening and there's no value added. Right. So so let's make it more interactive. Let's make it more fun and engaging kids. 
depending on the age, you know, they like TikToks, right? So get them creating TikToks. There's so much creative energy that, that can be harnessed um, through this world, this multimodal world uh, of TikTok, right? It's a super engaged and, and they can have so much fun with it. Again, if they're doing it with their peers, right? So if I've got two or three kids and they're negotiating what's going to be in this TikTok and they have to use all this language and they're talking French or Greek or German or whatever language they're talking and they're really trying to, to figure out how to, how to best position themselves in these TikToks. Um, another thing we do, uh, my teachers do, is um, lyrical lessons. And lyrical lessons are awesome because they are, you know, we've learned certain things about the language, about the culture that we're studying. And now we have to kind of, um, we jigsaw, right? We take different parts of that country, of that learning. And we have to, my peers and I have to create either a song, a rap or a poem tape it, or you can do it live in front of everyone, depending on the kids, depending on their comfort level, right? It's all about being comfortable and just stretching their thinking and stretching their language. Um, another example is when we're talking about past, present, future, we're talking about the nuances and then, you know, have them become time travelers, right? So they're time travelers and they're creating this diary of their experiences. Oh my gosh, they can have so much fun. They could write a little, play a little script about this time traveler who travels in different times and different countries and then they've got to use the proper the conjunctions right they have to throw those in the teacher said you're going to be time travelers but don't forget the conjugation <laughs> make sure your conjugations are correct so now kids are engaged they're motivated and really thinking about how you can you, you've got to know your students we call it kiss know your students and thinking about what are their strengths what are their interests and tapping into those interests and harnessing them right we talk about motivation you know we talk about six c's of motivation right we talk about choice challenge control consequences constructive meaning collaboration all these things lead to greater and deeper learning. Thank you for that, Susanna. One of the last questions I have for you is, why do you think so many teachers um, really hold on to wanting that control? I think it's time. It's about time. And because it's about time, and we're always under a time crunch, it's about saying, I'm going to break down this lesson and I'm going to pace myself. And if I've got 40 minutes or I've got 80 minutes to teach this lesson, you know, how am I going to get through? How am I going to meet my objective by the end of the 80 minutes? So on one side is the time. The other piece is the teacher has to release that control. And for some teachers that's difficult because they will say to me, but Susana, if I put them into groups, they're going to start talking about their weekend plans or they're going to start messing around and they're not going to stay on task. Right. So my response to that and, and what we work on is, well, if you're creating meaningful, authentic tasks in which the students are engaged and interested, then you're going to lessen the likelihood that they're going to talk about their weekend plans. Right. That makes a difference. And creating and cultivating a community of learners in the classroom, that is a return on investment. Um, that happens because now students will try harder and they will be willing to challenge themselves. Setting your students up to take the wheel really allows you to not to do less work, but like to enjoy the teaching and not feel like you're always driving the ship. Exactly. And that's why, you know, so, so as that final piece, right, what's that one takeaway is absolutely the students should work harder than the teacher. And that's 
a newsflash for a lot of people because my teachers are working their tails off. They are trying to do the right thing. They are engaging the students. They're doing all of this work and they're burning out and it's just not sustainable, right? So teachers need to take a step back and say, wait a minute, why am I working harder than the kids? (laughs) And it's like, no, no, the real learning, the magic happens when the students are the ones doing all the work. As long as a teacher, again, thoughtfully and strategically plans the task and the, the grouping configurations, then they can release the wheel, like you just said. They can release the wheel and the students can start to take over. Yeah. One question that I can imagine a lot of teachers having is, okay, so I release the control. I have a plan in place, but I release control. And then my students kind of divert the rest of the the lesson. And how do I get things back on track? So my goal, my objective as a teacher is to get the students reading, writing, listening, speaking in that language, right? Mm. So if the students decide, if I had said to them, hey, you know, pretend you're part- you know, going to a restaurant, you're ordering some food and, you know, but then now the kids kind of segue off in their little restaurant scene and they start talking in the target language about a movie they saw together because that's what you do when you're sitting at a meal. You start talking about other things besides the meal. So they go off and you're talking about the movie but they're doing it in the target language, I'm good, right? Depending on what, you know, it has to be aligned with the skills, the objective of the lesson. If the objective of the lesson was we need to really use that vocabulary of food, et cetera, and restaurants, then I would kind of kind of nudge them back into place, maybe ask them a higher order thinking question to get them back on track. Well, hey, thank you so much, Susanna. Before we wrap up, are there any last words of wisdom that you want to emphasize for our listeners today? I think first, I appreciate what all educators are doing, and I'm not pandering. (laughs) This is actually really authentic. Um, I think that, um, you know, we're all working really hard to create opportunities for all of our students and just to kind of trust ourselves and trust the process and think about putting those processes in place and just kind of training yourself, training your kids. And over time, as you release that control, slowly but surely, you're going to find it's magical, right? It's magical for you and it's magical for the kids. And like I said, the students should always work harder than the teacher. So that's it. Well, thank you so much, Susanna. It was truly a pleasure to get to chat with you today. And hey, stay safe, stay happy and keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye. Well, my friends, that was my conversation with Susana Matos-Kruk. Susana shared her secrets to fostering a successful active learning classroom. And her tips were as follows. One, lesson plan just enough, but not too much. Two, let go of some of that class control by being the guide on the side, not the sage on the stage. And three, make sure you aren't doing more work than your students. Students learn by doing, so let them do. If you'd like to connect with Susana, you can find her on LinkedIn or through her consulting company's website, which is upthebar.net. And don't forget, if you liked the show, let us know by subscribing, liking, commenting, reviewing, or hey, maybe you send us a handwritten letter via snail mail. And bonus points if you cover the envelope in adorable little teacher-themed stickers. Okay, that's all from me today. 
Be well and be happy. And I'll see you next time on Teaching Languages Today. Annyeong! This episode was hosted, produced, and edited by me, Dr. Emily Sabo. Our production manager is Dr. Erica Catregli. And our audience was... Oh, wait, that's you. <laughs>